My name is Kayla. Welcome to the very first episode of Kohler Uncut, the podcast that won't leave you in the dark. This podcast is dedicated to the fascinating and vast topic of energy. Kohler has been in the energy and power business for over 100 years, supplying reliable energy solutions to industrial and residential clients to ensure they never lose power. So to kick things off, we're going to dive into the world of backup generators. Through this angle, we can better understand the current energy climate and how major global players like Kohler are working to deliver cleaner, more cost-efficient, and ever-resilient energy solutions worldwide. I'm here with Nicole Dirk-Seide, who's actually in Kohler, Wisconsin. She is the director of Kohler's generator categories for 600 kilowatts and above. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Kayla. Happy to be here. So, Nicole, you are an electrical engineer. You've been with Kohler for over a dozen years, and all throughout your career, you've been drawn to companies working with energy and technology. Tell us a little bit about your experience. I was fortunate when I came out of college many years ago, I was able to start at a company that designed and built locomotives. This started my passion for energy and how it's used. As you can imagine, a locomotive has a very large diesel engine in order to generate enough power to pull all the cars of a train. My next move was to a technology company that created test and measurement equipment. This is the equipment such as digital multimeters and network analyzers that are either at an engineer's test bench or on a manufacturing floor. I was drawn to Kohler by the opportunity to bring together my passion for energy, along with innovative technologies to focus on the energy needs of industrial applications. As an added bonus, Kohler is dedicated to sustainability, and I'm very fortunate to also be a sustainability champion at Kohler. Thank you so much. So let's jump right in and talk about backup generators, which is one of Kohler's biggest, most important products. That way we can make sure that we're all on the same page. So Nicole, can you tell us what are backup generators used for and why are they important? Generators are the backbone of a resilient energy solution. Most of us are reliant on the utility grid to provide energy to power our lives. But when the utility fails, there must be a backup, and that is where the generators play a crucial role. They are used to provide power to many different types of applications, from a warehouse or retail store to a water treatment facility and hospital. For some businesses, it is about continuity to keep operating and avoid a gap in production or revenue generation. For others, such as a hospital, it is about providing critical services for life safety. In all scenarios, there is a need for reliable, resilient power. And these generators obviously rely on energy to provide reliable power that you mentioned. So being in the energy business, what can you tell us about the global energy crisis that we're facing today? We hear a lot in the media about this unprecedented crisis, that there are threats of power cuts, unbearably high energy bills, and because of that, some businesses simply going under because they can't stay profitable. And yet, despite all this news, many of us are still wondering how we got into this situation and what we can do to get out of it. So from everything you're witnessing, how do you explain this extreme pressure on the energy market? This is a complex situation, and I will do my best to simplify. Uh, first, it starts with demand. As one would expect, right, we have an increase in population, and that is going to increase demand naturally. But in our case, the demand is increasing much more rapidly than population, simply due to the electrification of our world. Right, Not only do we have traditional use of energy for needs such as lighting, heating and cooling, and manufacturing, now we have smart devices requiring power to operate and cloud services enabled to support them. These smart devices, they're in our pockets, in the form of cellular phones, as well as on equipment in the form of the controls that are on that equipment. 
I was researching how much data is used in one minute in the world, and the amount is astounding. At any given minute, there are 2 million Snapchats sent, 44 million Facebook views, 694,000 hours worth of content streamed on YouTube, 575,000 tweets on Twitter, and this is a small sample of all the data. At the center of this data transmission are data centers, and they are growing at an extremely fast pace. Data centers consume a lot of energy to power the servers, as well as the chillers required to maintain the server room temperature. Additionally, electric vehicles are becoming the norm and require a large amount of energy to charge. As an example, in the United States, an average EV car consumes 0.35 kilowatt hours per mile. If you drive 14,000 miles per year, that requires almost 5 megawatt hours. For comparison, an average home in the United States consumes 11 megawatt hours. Adding an electric vehicle to your home increases your usage by 45%. These are just a few examples of electrification, and these advancements are outpacing the ability for the traditional energy sources, namely the utility providers, to keep up with an already aging infrastructure that requires upkeep and expansion. The other side of the equation is supply. Beyond the aging infrastructure, in order to produce energy, fuel is needed. In the case of generators, this is diesel fuel traditionally, which is derived from crude oil. In the case of grids and the utility, it's multiple sources, such as coal and crude oil. This becomes complicated quickly regarding where fuel sources are located. World conflicts, such as wars, disrupts the supply of fuel sources and forces countries to find alternatives. These alternatives could be reserves within a country or partnerships with other countries, but this typically comes at a higher cost and perhaps at a lower availability. Thank you. Those were some really great examples that really illustrate this supply-demand equation that is driving consumption and prices up. What about the geopolitical landscape or maybe other factors that might be playing a role? Yeah, on top of the supply and demand challenges, and especially in supply, I mentioned when we see things like a war, how they really start to inhibit supply. Within countries, there's also a lot of regulatory restrictions, uh, typically focused on emissions that drive additional constraints. These constraints tend to drive up the cost due to the addition of equipment such as catalysts to meet those regulations. And finally, as if that wasn't enough already, we do have climate change. We have seen extreme cold, such as what embraced much of the United States in December of 2022, as well as extreme heat with the summer of 2022 heat wave in Europe as prime examples. These weather extremes cause further damage to the aging grid infrastructure and drive up demand, whether it is for additional heating or cooling basically is a double hit in negatively impacting both supply and demand at the same time. So I'm not sure if I simplified it, but trying to state it simply, demand is far outpacing supply and supply continues to have restrictions placed upon it that hinders rapid growth. I think you did simplify because I think I can finally understand why experts keep warning us that what we're dealing with now is just the beginning, actually, of this energy crisis. And it's not necessarily about just getting through this winter, but rather implementing long-term solutions. So turning to the solution side, I know that there are promising new technologies out there and new energy sources. Businesses are under a lot of pressure to use cleaner energy, all the while reducing costs and decreasing dependencies. What are the main alternatives that the industry is looking at? Right. As I mentioned earlier, with the restrictions on supply, a lot of that is based around fossil fuels and that availability. So today, one of the most frequent requests we are receiving is around HVO, or hydro-treated vegetable oil, in place of diesel as a fuel source. HVO has a net carbon emission reduction of up to 90% compared to diesel. It removes the re that reliance on fossil fuels and reliance on specific countries to control the fuel sources for the world. 
When we spoke about those supply challenges earlier, HVO can really help to alleviate some of the issues. When talking about some other new technologies, we're usually referring to renewable energy, specifically solar and battery, as well as looking at hydrogen. Solar continues to gain traction with widespread adoption globally. This adoption is helpful in driving down the cost and removing technical risks due to years of experience with the product installed. Batteries are continuing to emerge. We now see the adoption beginning to accelerate in the EV market. While an electric vehicle application is not identical to energy storage, the similarities in technology use allow the energy storage industry to leverage the learnings from the automotive industry. The broader adoption in EV is only going to help drive down costs in the coming years and make this a more viable solution in the future. Hydrogen is a very promising technology. It's been around for many years, and it's still in the early phase of adoption. The reason for slow adoptions are twofold. First, we look at how do we get the source of hydrogen. And in this case, it really needs to be green hydrogen. When we talk about green hydrogen, what I mean is we're looking at hydrogen that's captured from a renewable energy source or another low-carbon source. Since low-carbon sources are not broadly adopted yet, the ability to generate green hydrogen from them is still limited. On top of looking at just having hydrogen as a source, then we have to look at how we're going to use that hydrogen. You need power generation products to consume that hydrogen, ideally replacing the existing fossil fuels. For us, this could be in the form of an internal combustion engine, just like we use on our generators today that start to run on hydrogen. And we can also be looking at using a fuel cell to use hydrogen. So among those four examples that you just laid out for us, is there one clear winner that you would place your bets on? Do you think that one day it might be as simple as saying, okay, we're just going to switch to battery-powered everything or going with hydrogen and all of these problems that we've been talking about will fade away? Oh, that would be fantastic if that was the case, Kayla. Um, Unfortunately, it's not. There is not a one-size-fits-all. As we look at all these different technologies that are available, they, they have different strengths and weaknesses. And you really have to look at the problem you're trying to solve and determine what's going to be the best solution. In many cases, it's going to want, it could be a combination. For example, right, I mentioned solar, and we look at that. It absolutely has a low carbon footprint since the emissions are virtually zero during the use phase. But right, solar is only going to produce when the sun is shining. So it's not very resilient and reliable from that means. When we look at batteries, they store power, but they don't generate power on their own. So they do require another source in order to charge them. In the ideal situation, you could be charging at what we call an off-peak time or during the evening, and then discharge them during the day when there's more peak demands on the utility to help offset that supply and demand challenges. But once the batteries are discharged, they're not part of that resilient solution at that moment. And looking at hydrogen, there are some clear advantages of running on green hydrogen, but there can be some drawbacks. As we look at the technology, We have to look at things like startup time and the ability for those power generation sources to be able to take large load steps. Kayla, we could do an entire episode on hydrogen. It's a lot of exciting technology coming our way, but I will summarize that it's an early technology with promise and it needs a lot more infrastructure and development around the solution for it to become a major supply contributor in the resilient energy landscape. Oh, that sounds great. I hope we get that opportunity to do an episode and really unpack all this exciting development around hydrogen. But for now, um, when we look at Kohler's clients, right, a power outage is simply unimaginable because maybe they run a hospital or an airport and literally safety and lives are at risk. So when you need 100% reliable energy, what's the best choice? When you look at having that resilient energy solution, really a backup generator is your best option. However, 
right? For those that want to start looking at some of these newer technologies, you can look at adding them. If you use resilient technologies only, like solar and batteries, you're not going to get that true resiliency because of their limitations. But if you pair them with a generator, you can start to take advantage of those newer technologies and still have that generator as the backbone of the system. Okay, so really a a hybrid approach there. What stage would you say uh, in development are we in regards to these emerging technologies? A lot of these new technologies, such as hydrogen, are not to full-scale adoption, so the cost could drive expenses up, not down in the short term. And like with hydrogen, green hydrogen supply is not sufficient yet. Also, as we look at all these new technologies, we do need to look beyond just the use phase and look at the full life cycle of the product and the impact it's going to have on sustainability. What I mean is that if you look at batteries as an example, I had read a report saying that it takes 50% more emissions to produce an electric car than a conventional car. So now you have to start thinking about how much usage do I have to get out of that car before it becomes neutral again, and then you start to really see the benefit of that electric vehicle. The other consideration is how you're charging that electric vehicle. So when you're charging it off a grid that is fossil fuel based, you're still not maybe getting as far as you want in sustainability with these new technologies. And don't get me wrong, all these new technologies are needed and they all have a place, but there isn't a single one that solves the energy crisis or a desire for more sustainable solutions. At Kohler, we are in the energy business with a focus on resilience. So we explore these new technologies while we're continuing to improve on our existing proven technologies. Well, that's a really interesting point, Nicole, and something that I'd like to know more about. How does Kohler explore new technologies, especially ones that you've mentioned need time and experimentation to mature? Because you can't really afford to test and fail with your generators. You guys are already the backup plan. So how at Kohler do you guys approach innovation? Great question. Uh, First and foremost, we always start with our focus on our customers. Right. We know our customers need a reliable, resilient energy source that they can count on regardless of the situation. As mentioned, backup energy is critical for applications like hospitals and data centers. That is our basis. From there, we know customers want to reduce their energy usage to minimize their expenses and reduce emissions. Then as we have conversations with customers and they do want to adopt new technologies, we start having the discussion with them of how can we balance the risks with some of these newer technologies. So as an example, I mentioned batteries and solar earlier, right? You can pair those together with a generator. So you still have that resilient backbone of a generator while adopting some of these newer technologies to offset energy uses and reducing your emissions. Another key piece for us is looking at adjacent industries because that can really help us to de-risk the technology, right? Batteries are a great example. As we see this broader adoption in vehicles and mobility, the safety and performance continues to improve, and those costs are going to decrease that are going to make it a more viable solution in the future. And then finally, we do a lot of advanced development and field testing. Kohler Company is a family-owned business that is still operated by the Kohler family. At Kohler here, we all take that seriously so we can deliver a gracious experience for our customers, and that includes resilient power. Are there any examples that you can share with us that illustrate how you've gone from testing mode to the implementation of new technologies so that you're able to keep up with this demand on the customer side or regulatory side, or even just the demands of modernization so that you're best in class in your products? I can think of several examples, um, but for now I'll focus on our large diesel generators. So in 2016, Kohler launched a new line of generators built on our KD engines, stands for Kohler diesel engines. We took our 100 years of experience along with our customer needs, and look towards the future. 
designing a generator that meets the most stringent emission standards, including ultra-low NOx and particulate matter levels, and put that in a very compact footprint. We proved out these new designs with our advanced development team, then we deployed it into prototypes, and finally into product samples that were field-tested. Once we knew we had a reliable product that could back up a mission-critical application, we launched. This launch went up to 2,500 kilowatts, or 2,800 kVA. We didn't stop there, though. Since 2016, we've continuously expanded and improved on that product. We now offer up to 4,000 kilowatts. Since there are thousands of KD generators in service for many years, we have the knowledge to make this type of adjustment without risking the reliability of the generator. And most recently, we've added HVO, hydro-treated vegetable oil, as an approved fuel. These are just a few examples of our improvements, and we'll continue to make innovations on our world-class product. By having a proven base with the years of experience, the risk of making these changes is minimized. Thank you so much, Nicole, for all of your insights. I know I learned a ton. I hope you guys enjoyed it too. Thank you, Kayla. This was fun. Yeah, it was. Well, that wraps up our very first episode of Kohler Uncut, the podcast that won't leave you in the dark. I look forward to unpacking more of these complex questions about energy with you next time. Bye.